Hello and welcome to In Common, a podcast and community where we explore the spiritual practice of grief, trusting that it leads to our healing, gives us a new sense of freedom, and empowers us to imagine and embody a better way forward. We believe this dimension of our human experience is something we all have in common, and we don't have to do it alone. If you're new to our show, we release our conversations in two parts. In part one, we take a raw, honest look into our own grief, disappointment, and questions. Part two will be an exploration of the hope we are finding in the true example of Jesus and the freedom we now have to reimagine, then embody a better way. My name is Dana Solomon, and today I'm joined by Tara Beneventi to continue our conversation on individualism. As always, these conversations are meant to be accessible, but the content will be vulnerable and challenging. All right, here we go. Tara. Hi. Welcome back. Good to be back. We're doing it. Continuing the combo. Yeah. Um, we've just been chatting the fat, the past few minutes about, cause we took like a week in between these. Usually we go straight mm-hmm. through. So mm-hmm. we had to kind of recap. Um, but I'm excited yeah. for what, what we feel like, I don't know what we feel like we came up with Yeah, around. So individualism we're talking about last time. I think we talked about a lot of the performative aspects of individualism that we're kind of grieving from our experience, maybe in different culture or also in the church. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about a couple other things. And then we also talked about um, experiencing just like an insider and outsider perspective of individualism slash collectivism, collectivism. Um, and then we ended with talking about just how that's all connected to also like our connection to creation. Yeah. And just grieving all those things that feel like they've maybe just been missing or we've seen sort of a broken or cracked version of that in our lives, in our experience in spirituality, as well as maybe in families or friendships. Mm-hmm. So all like part two, I, I love to give space. I think I said this last time, but I love just giving that space and not having a resolve. Right. Like in that space, I think it's, that's just what I've wanted from this podcast to just have like a real space to grieve, but then to realize that grief really does lead us into the next thing or yeah. into like accepting that that's what it is. So we can have fresh eyes for how we're going to move forward um, or fresh eyes for like what we're looking for, even, right. you know, of a more full version of what we want our life to look like. And so, yeah, I love I love that that is like all that is part one. It sometimes feels like, oh, I hope people are okay. (laughs) Well, I don't think people are really used to that feeling of like just opening up a bunch of boxes Mm -hmm. and then ending the podcast. Yeah. It's very, it's very not American. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. So, but I also love, I do love the refreshing part of part two of like giving grief its own space and however much time it would like to take up, you know? Yeah. And then I, I love what that does birth into part two of all of these talks is that it really does give us like clear, clear perspective, at least on one or two things that 
we feel like, oh, wow, either like this is how I have learned to reimagine this in my life and I'm practicing it or simply just looking at the life of Jesus and be like, maybe I don't know how to embody this yet, but I do see a different, like new, more refreshing example when I look at how Jesus lived his life. Yeah. You just know that it's different. Yes, totally. Um, And I think it also gives us vision as we, you know, talk to God as we engage with scripture or books or like conversations or maybe other podcasts. It gives us, I think, something specific to really be thinking about Yeah, when we're honest about where our hurt is. I think it's like, oh, like that gives us a very clear compass to mm-hmm. know, okay, this is like the direction that I should be pursuing healing or a new way of living or reimagining, you know, yeah. this for my life. So I'm excited to do that with you. Me too. (laughs) So good. We talk about this stuff anyway all the time. I know. Yeah, it's true. It kind of is like my whole, maybe not my whole life, but it's definitely a very major theme of like Mm -hmm. conversations in Mm -hmm. my whole life Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like this happens even at work. I have like a few people who, you know, just have questions or I don't know, just like want to talk about like the deeper things in life. So it's super nice. I'm like, cool. Yeah. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm in. there. Let's go in. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's let's jump in. Let's talk about maybe we'll start with um the thought that you were sharing about Jesus and his biological family. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um yeah, I've just been thinking about like the way Jesus interacted with family um when it comes to this idea of collectivism, individualism, and knowing that in Jesus's time, family was so connected. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the culture. um, Everything was done in family, with family. And I've even been thinking about, you know, I think it's in Matthew 12 where Jesus is... uh, what is it? His mother and and brothers come outside. Oh yeah, they're outside. They're looking for Jesus. And then uh, someone comes in and says, "Look, your mother and brothers are standing outside, wanting to have a word with you." And Jesus looks at him and says, "You know, to the people around, these are my my true mother and brothers. Wow. L- look closely, for this is my true family." And I'm just even like thinking, like imagining, like what that looked like, or like what that felt like like that must have been like a really hard oh yeah sort of reality for Jesus's family to realize that like uh he had and I don't even know if the word to use is individuate but in a way disconnected uh I mean probably would have been like betrayal yeah that probably would have felt that way yeah you Mm know um but it's not you know, we've been talking about individualism in the sense of like, it's defined as someone valuing oneself over Mm -hmm. the group. Mm -hmm. That's not what Jesus was doing in this, Mm -hmm. but there was something different about the way Jesus was treating family because it wasn't like, oh, drop everything and go outside. Mm -hmm. My mother and brothers are there. Mm -hmm. It was Jesus had a compass. Yeah. And, um, I think the word that's constantly coming up as I'm thinking about this is like Jesus had such a strong 
sense of identity mm-hmm. and that's different than individualism yes um because jesus was still connected jesus was still about family i mean mm-hmm. he even looks at the people around him and says this is my true mother and my true brothers mm-hmm. you know and i i even like am thinking about like when jesus is uh, a young boy and he goes missing for three days and his mm-hmm. family is like backtracking they go and like ask all of his aunts and uncles like looking through yeah like where all the family is and jesus can't be found there and Mm -hmm. then he's in the temple Mm -hmm. and was like wouldn't you know that i'd be here like jesus was still with people but there was something different about the way that jesus interacted in group settings Mm -hmm. it wasn't like he sacrificed everything just for where people wanted him to be or to be doing he knew his calling he knew his identity so it's like that's like this new aspect being brought into like when we're talking about health healthy Mm -hmm. individualism or like what collectivism really looks like it's like jesus brings this whole new sort of definition about how we Mm -hmm. interact because we're always connected but yeah we're just he just had such a strong sense of identity that it allowed him to step away yeah, you know, from the collective. I wonder if it was even like challenging for his mother and siblings to, I, I feel like I wonder if the challenge for them would be not like the offense would be Jesus is betraying us, right? Or like Jesus is like denouncing his family or something. Yeah. But I think the challenge that Jesus maybe was trying to give is like, will you honor me? Like, will you honor that I have a different path than you or like my own path? Or will you honor that my path could like lead here? Um, Maybe like in order for us to really be joined as family again, like that has to be part of the deal. Yeah. That, that my individual or like my identity and personal calling and purpose that I feel from my like, father yeah my source you know yeah is honored just as highly as our relationship is honored yeah absolutely and I think even it's it's almost as if like asking his family like what do you value most like Mm -hmm. is it my me walking in my identity and my calling and what I I know that I'm supposed to be doing or is it your version yeah for me to be doing what you want me to be doing yes yes um and that gets so, like, that's so complicated. Jesus walked that line. Or yeah. I mean, not even walked that line, but, like, we talk about Jesus held the tension mm-hmm. with that. Jesus yes. held that tension. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's cool to see, like, it's interesting when you brought that up, I was thinking, oh, funny, like, I have a totally different perspective of Jesus with um, with his family and then with his disciples, just coming from a more individualistic background. Mm-hmm. And my, I just remember my hearing Jesus coming out of the wilderness, like filled with this power and authority and like receiving calling from God. He goes, he actually goes back to his biological family first and he shares with them the calling, you know, that God's given him and they refuse to join him. Mm. Like they actually betray him, Mm. you know, like they, he goes to a cliff, which like, custom was if you're going to a cliff you're going to get thrown off it Mm. and then rocks are going to be thrown at you from the people above until you die basically you know and so it's just that moment it's like you think about how 
heart-wrenching that is for him in, you know, in that time. But I think I always thought like, oh, but, but Jesus doesn't go off on his own, like with no one. Right. He actually goes and he finds his friends. He knows that he can't do it alone. Yeah. And I think that's really impressive. And that's really the example that I go back to coming from more of an individualistic upbringing is that's not the example of Jesus. Mm. Even when he left his family to like, quote, start his ministry, you know, which is kind of the narrative that I heard growing up. Right. That he actually like went to his friends. He was probably really sad. You know, it's like he just went and found the friends that he had to be with because he knew that even though he has this identity, this calling, he knew that in order for that to be brought about, he had to have a community or some type of spiritual family around him. Right. In order for that to happen and be effective and really to embody like what God had called him to do. Yeah. He absolutely embodied a collectivist mindset, but it just looks different in, in the way. But I think that this is like a really great way to even just segue into like grief is that Jesus really had to grieve mm-hmm. like that family wasn't going to look the way he had hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting that he didn't do that alone either. No, like, Oof. yeah, you know, like that's kind of weird. Like we should take notes. Yeah. Thanks Jesus. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so good yeah yeah I think maybe that um that just reminds me of the second point that we were talking about with when we were more in the part one of this we were talking about this personal relationship with Jesus this idea that it's all personal and how in an individualistic culture that can also lend its way into a very private life with Jesus right And I feel like we were just talking about Jesus's example and maybe like how his life looked like, like, was that actually something that he gave us an example for Mm. or did he give us something different? Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we were just talking about, um, you mentioned this, you know, in Jesus in the garden, you know, in his final hours of it being like the most vulnerable plate time in his life but yet Mm -hmm. he wasn't alone you know he had his three closest Mm -hmm. friends and I just think you see Jesus in a lot of these like moments where typically in our day and age we would fare those things alone Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like abandonment betrayal sadness but you never see Jesus actually alone mm-hmm. you know well first of all someone's writing about it mm-hmm. yeah. someone was there you yeah know? totally um but that's even just kind of a mind-boggling like thought mm-hmm. that uh some of the most like painful harsh hard moments of jesus's life were shared mm-hmm. which we don't even really have a framework yeah. now. you know yeah but that uh Jesus there he had a personal space for sure mm-hmm. you know but it's not it's not a private space yeah. where no one is allowed yeah you know yeah I even think about like there was maybe the experience of you know we do we do see Jesus being like okay he went to the mountain alone you know mm-hmm. like day like more on, on like a daily level but it's still even him going and coming back is still an example that the disciples would around him would have experienced Mm. and then 
you know that they want to know what's happening because they're like, teach us how to pray. Mm. Like, you know, they know what he's doing, Yeah, you know? And then what does he do? He doesn't just say like, well, you just have like, God will teach you how to pray. You know, it's like, no, like he teaches them. He tells them what he's doing. Yeah. He doesn't tell them to go to their own private space and figure it out. And figure out how to pray. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. It's like, and yeah, I just wonder too, it's like, it's not like Jesus wasn't raised in a spiritual environment either. So he was already had instruction from even just his cultural upbringing of how to engage in some sort of way with God. But I think that's, that's so interesting to me now to read pieces of scripture and, and realize like, Oh, like that's actually how like God's even speaking to me as I read is like, Whoa, like, yeah, I was just reading about the garden of Gethsemane the other day. And it's like, Oh, like they were like with him, with yeah. him, not just like I had always pictured it and it's always been depicted, you know, in Easter plays or whatever mm-hmm. that the disciples stayed like back, you know, at the mountain that they like weren't really around or they fell asleep. You know, it's like I was reading in Luke and it's like, oh yeah, they, they couldn't handle it because they were so grieved. Like yeah. that's like, I think how Luke says it's like they were exhausted with grief, mm. which I also had never heard. But even that is like a shared moment. You know, even though they couldn't stay awake, even though they couldn't even like engage how Jesus was engaging, they were actually still with him experiencing that moment and the grief of that moment, you know, a certain dimension of that moment. Yeah. You know, like with Jesus in the same space. Yeah. And then another gospel says like he, you know, he maybe left a few disciples. I don't, I don't know how far away, obviously, but you know, but then brought the three with him. Mm. So I'm like, oh, I wonder literally like where they literally just like sitting right beside Jesus, mm, like wow. as, the, you know, as he's in this most vulnerable place with yeah. God, Dang. you know, it's yeah. like, but I think too, again, that tension that he holds, it's like, it's such a shared space, right? He's letting people see him that way, but he they do fall asleep and it's not like he crumbles, Mm -mm. you know? So I think there is this example, again, that tension of there is a collective part of me that's always going to be a value. And then there's also an identity that I have with God. Yeah. That I, that I hold, you know, and that he holds or they hold with me. Yeah. Um, and You know, so I just wonder like what that was like too, um, just to hold that tension of like, we do see Jesus engaging with God personally. That's, that's not, that's not something that I'm interested in changing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yes, I do believe we have a personal relationship with God. Yeah. So, but I don't think that was ever meant to leave the tension of, of collective like vulnerability with, with some people not all people you know but some yeah I mean I just think that like it's such a challenging thought for our culture and society today about everything being shared Mm -hmm. and nothing really truly being individual Mm -hmm. and like we won't go down this road but just even thinking about like the trinity Mm -hmm. you know totally like it's all shared (laughs) like everything Mm -hmm. that God holds the trinity holds it's Mm -hmm. shared in community it's shared in communion and like 
I mean, I don't know. There's not a hierarchy. No. I remember hearing that for the first time. I'm like, oh yeah, there's not. But I totally like mm-hmm. conceptualize it that way because that's yeah. the world of individualism. And it tells you how we think so like narrow about like when we interact with God sometimes mm-hmm. and I'll even say it's like I just sometimes I'm like I interact I'm interacting with God the Father. Yes. You know totally. And there are sometimes where I'm interacting with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And then it's all separate. You know? Yeah. And, and for then us, Jesus is my example and my friend that's yeah. here <laughs> to walk life with me. It's, it's like, like yeah. For we need to move move past that because mm-hmm. it's still so individual, you know. Totally. But, I mean and we were just talking a little bit about like our experiences of making that shift of mm-hmm. seeing our faith as private, mm-hmm. seeing our spirituality, our journey as private into it being personal. And like, even just reflecting on my own experiences, like being in our community, being in a huddle where prior, you know, I shared my faith with people, but mm-hmm. really in, a very sort of casual mm-hmm. kind of disconnected way where I wasn't processing any of my questions. I wasn't right. processing any of the things that I was yeah, thinking or wondering about God or even like the ways that God was getting my attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I that was like up to you. It was up to me. Yeah. Yeah. And really the only time that I shared, and I mean, I was like this probably for the first 25 mm-hmm. years of my life where mm-hmm. anything I shared had been resolved like it had been yes i had i had processed it i had figured it and i reached a conclusion and here it is yes and that was like that is not the example we see in jesus or the disciples Mm -hmm. but and it took me a while to realize you know after months you know even just being in the internship with commonplace of like bringing something that felt really fresh and raw that mm-hmm. I had not processed yet, mm-hmm. something that was obviously getting my attention mm-hmm. and bringing it to this inner circle yes, of close people who I just kind of offer it up mm-hmm. and then we process it together. One, it's very vulnerable and personal, not mm-hmm. private, mm-hmm. but what comes out of that is so much more rich than anything yes. that I could probably hear on my own. Totally exactly and what I was thinking yeah it's that's the way it's supposed to be mm-hmm. you know yeah I think there is something that's really challenging even just for me personally I think the lie of individualism is the layer that comes through about self-sufficiency mm. just that like you can do it on your own mm-hmm And if you need help, then you're fill in the blank. I think that lie is different for everyone. You're weak. You're, I don't know. That's definitely the lie for me. So that's what I remember, you know, but it's like, you're too afraid or you're, you know, not mature enough. Maybe you're not spiritual enough. Oh, you don't know how to handle that. Well, you must not be spiritual enough. Um, but don't worry, I'll help you. You know, it's like this very disempowering thing to, offer up questions or offer up a vulnerable raw spot that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And I think that's definitely been my experience with a more Jesus shaped community. I would say is I remember feeling a huge resistance, um, almost like it was inappropriate, 
Like that's how like much I wanted to resist it. And it felt so unfamiliar when we started. Yeah. It was like the same sort of huddle, just processing life with, you know, eight people. Yeah. Um, that I just had never, I just had never even like done that. It was always very much more like centered around, you know, maybe I'm going through something, but I know this is what I should do. You know, it's like, I would come kind of knowing, like, I'm going to ask you this, but I already know what you're going to say, you know, whether it was like leaders in my life growing up, right. You know, I'm going to ask you this question, but I already know the answer. Cause you're just going to tell me like yeah. the same thing I always hear, you know, but starting to process with people in a more real way, because I think the previous process of like kind of knowing what people are going to say, you end up guarding mm-hmm. a lot of things mm-hmm. because, or I did, I ended up guarding a lot of things, not sharing them because I, those were the things that I didn't know what someone was going to say, yeah. but I, I innately, like I intuitively didn't trust that space or maybe even that person to be able to hold that with me and to be able to hear my questions or hear my raw, honest thoughts and not make conclusions about my spirituality or my maturity or, you know, whatever it would be or my strength as a person or my ability to hold things as a person. You know, I think that's like often, especially as a woman feeling like, well, I'm already looked at as weaker, Mm -hmm. like the weaker vessel, whatever. But, but so I never wanted to do anything that would play into that narrative, right? you know? So anyways, all that to say, I think starting to enter the space of like Jesus shaped, more family oriented, definitely like more honest sharing and processing. Yeah. I just remember feeling it's like, it was (laughs) almost inappropriate feeling that resistance and but then experiencing as I trusted that process and those people, yeah. I think like that was really important too. I don't ever want to leave that out. It's not like you just like pick someone, you right. know? Um, but I also was experiencing the most transformation that I've ever experienced in wow. my spiritual life. Like yeah. kind of like what you're saying, like for the first, however many 20, whatever years of my life, it was like, Oh, like I'm just kind of in the same cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, my cycle was, do I know God? Like some, somehow I would always return to that same question. Do I actually know God? Mm-hmm. And then I started this journey and found myself asking lots more questions of like, yeah. what is God saying to me? Like day to day, you know, kind of starting from the place of, I can hear God. I do know God. So like what, what now? Yeah. But I think that's partially why I could never enter that space is because I didn't have a collective expression. Right that could hold that with me, that could help me with that. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you in that. Yeah. What else? Um, we kind of ended our, our last episode on, um, we talked a little bit about creation care. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've been thinking about is collectivism is just simply, 
connectedness. Yes. Like interconnectedness. Totally. And a deep sense of interconnectedness. Mm -hmm. And it's easy for us to talk about that when it comes to relationships, when it comes to groups, when it comes to culture. But creation is just as Mm -hmm. divine and important. Mm -hmm. And looking at the life of Jesus, just in everything that he said, yeah, there was either a parable or mm-hmm. an example where Jesus was using creation to explain our interconnectedness mm-hmm. and even just seeing how much Jesus uh, used and valued like the earthly environment. Yes. Um, and I think that that is like, I just re- see is super powerful in the example of Jesus mm-hmm. is we live in a culture and society today that is very disconnected from mm-hmm. the earth, from mm-hmm. creation and doesn't really see our impact. Like yes. everything that we do impacts the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we many times kind of live thankless lives to the mm-hmm. earth because we don't recognize how connected we are. Um, but Jesus was so connected. And yes. I think, collectivism goes beyond just human relationships but it it definitely impacts our relationship with the earth and yeah yeah, i just think that's like worth i mean it there's so much to learn Mm -hmm. there there's so much to unpack but it's just the thing that can't be ignored anymore Mm -hmm. you know especially with everything going on yeah like in our climate yeah totally i think just as we were talking about that before this, I was, um, I think that is the thing for me is as I look at Jesus, you know, the, probably the most, the, the highest spiritual example of a human, like maybe that's how I would say it, you know, um, obviously he's the one example that we look to constantly of how does spirituality look like like as a human on earth during our experience here yeah and I think you're right like I think he was connected he was fully in humanity Mm -hmm. and so it's interesting to watch how he made very spiritual very you know high I don't know if I would say high level you know but very like spiritual concepts and principles are like the way of the kingdom, the way of heaven, you know, right. which I mean, none of us really get yet, but it's like the way of heaven. He totally brought it down to a human earthly experience mm-hmm. in, in even the words that he said, like, it's not as complicated as we think, Yeah, you know? And, and I think that's just, that's just really powerful and really challenging for me. Can I, relate to the earth in that it's teaching me about God mm-hmm. and that it's teaching me about the way of heaven. Yeah. Um, because other than, other than us really creation has nothing opposing it, you know, right. to operate in the way of heaven, Yeah, you know? And so I, I don't know, that just always sticks out to me is like Jesus chose that like he chose to communicate that way and he chose to yeah recognize that everything was connected but bringing that to like human consciousness yeah you know it's like 
recognizing that, I don't know, and, and empowering people in that too. I think, I think that's super empowering to be like, oh, I just have to look to the earth mm-hmm. to understand what God is like yeah. and what God is up to yeah, or things about God, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, in Jesus' relationship with the earth, but even just as we're thinking about in all of these different like points we've made Mm -hmm. like one of the most collectivist things that jesus does in all these things is he doesn't try to control yes and it's like in individualism there's always control involved Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's about looking out for oneself you know Mm -hmm. it's the value valuing Mm -hmm. oneself over the group and there's always control in that yeah but jesus empowered people jesus mm-hmm. always had people around jesus shared everything was shared mm-hmm. and like there's no control yeah in that and i think the personal tension of that maybe like the other side of that is that that letting go of control or or the release of just like empowering people is is totally like letting letting god be that like developing that trust with God to be mm-hmm. like I trust whatever you're up to mm-hmm. and I understand that I don't I don't get to like challenge that I don't right. get to like be on the same level as you in that yeah um I don't know if that makes sense but I think it's just it's just interesting because I'm like if Jesus was human he probably was thinking about that like oh I wouldn't do it that way or you know I mean yeah that's what I would think you know <laughs> But it's like the maturity to say, to back up or zoom out and say, yeah, but I don't need that control Mm -hmm. because we're all, we're connected this way and God's connected to them Mm -hmm. as much as he's connected to me Mm -hmm. too, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, even going back to the garden, you think about that too, of like the release of that control to just trust that, okay, like, cool. I, I'll, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to happen, but there is a release of, but I'm going to surrender to whatever is happening. Yeah. Because I'm trusting that it's all connected to whatever you're up to. Yeah. You know, absolutely. It's a, I mean, it allows you to trust so mm-hmm. much more when you're totally aware that it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Dang. Well, it's good. I feel, I feel like there is a new, freedom every time I talk with someone on here there's just a new freedom of even going back to scripture which I think for some people is really hard to engage in in maybe wherever they're at in their journey mm-hmm. in faith and so I always find part two of these episodes to be like very freeing to go back to scripture to see it in a different way and to return to Jesus and his example and and his true example. And then being able to see that in our lives too, is just feels alive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the stuff that we're going to be unpacking for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so rich, but all, all of it, you know, identity, personal versus private client, Mm -hmm. like creation, like seeing the interconnectedness in all of it. Like the fact that we're unpacking those boxes and there's like real hope, involved yeah in that like yeah it's encouraging so good yes all right thanks tara thanks dana